It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle, an hour every Saturday at 2 o'clock, when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right to bring some context to the news of the week, or maybe we'll discuss a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. It's great to have you along on this beautiful day. I think this is our last show of the fall, December 21st, the shortest day of the year, first day of winter, and Jordan's birthday. Got to be careful talking about our birthday plans for him on the radio. He has started to listen to the podcast, something you're welcome to do on the Red Apple Podcast Network, or you can listen to the show live every Saturday as you're doing now. At 3 o'clock, uh, we always get together, and then um, with uh, Curtis Lee, well, left versus right, we're going to do that again today. We have a bunch to talk about. Curtis, is, Curtis and I are going to talk about the best place to find legal and illegal weed, and uh, we're also going to talk about... Who shows up at a conference on shoplifting, except shoplifters, I imagine. It's great to have you here. Kevin's on the other side of the glass helping us out on the board, and Christian is taking your calls. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And um, if you want to reach me on Twitter, at Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R, I have not been banned. Shadow- I might have been shadow banned. My, no one seems to respond very much to my tweets. I might be that. WienerWABC at gmail.com is how you can send me an email. And by the way, you can always get this. If you're late tuning in on Saturday, this comes out in the form of a podcast almost immediately um, thereafter. And um, also there's The Middle Unplugged, which is an episode that I do that's a little bit like the show, um, a little bit less structured. It comes out every Wednesday. The Middle Unplugged, you have to subscribe to that. Episode 8 came out this week where I talked about I talked about a member of the United States Congress who came to New York to buy sex toys. That's all I'm going to say. You've got to go download episode eight. Um, Like I said, it's Jordan's birthday coming up on the 21st. He's turning 11. He is a full-out handful. He had hockey this morning at 7 o'clock. And hopefully your morning began better than mine. Um, I take the bike here. I take mass transit. But we do have a car. We keep it in the garage not far from our home. And this morning – I was pulling out of the garage, and one of those mechanical gates wouldn't go up to let me out. And so I waited, patiently tapped my horn. The guy gestured for me to wait a minute. And I looked down and was working on my phone and texting or checking on the Islander score. They lost Arizona again. Don't ask me what's going on with that. And I hear a honk behind me, and what I think is someone saying, go – And I look up. I don't see the gate anymore. I press on the gas, and I run clear through the gate, smashed it. Apparently, it was down below my hood, so I couldn't see it. And uh, that wasn't great. The guy promptly informed me, you know, you're going to pay for this. I'm like, I guess, yeah, I guess, I, I, yes. yes." Um, So that's how my day started um, is uh, I haven't looked at the front of the car. I assume the car is fine. It's a little plastic garage gate. This should be the worst thing. As my grandmother, blessed memory, she said, that should be the worst thing that happens to you today. Um, You know, uh, also this week, yesterday, in fact, would have been my brother Seth's, my older brother Seth. It would have been his 62nd birthday. He passed away in 2000, was hit by a hit-and-run driver. Um, Brilliant guy. Very – he was a funny, subversive fella. Um, Famous for getting perfect scores in his SATs. He would get in trouble in elementary school – This is he would get in trouble for he would read all those little elementary school books and he'd he'd sit reading like adult novels already, like, you know, reading real books in and he would keep them in the fold of his school books. Um, He and I had very, very little in common. Here's something to make you laugh. He was a licensed gun dealer. That was like one of his many sidelines. and something that we have in common that I although I didn't realize at the time is we were both addicts. He he was an alcoholic. He um, I believe he was a drug addict as well. When he died in two thousand, 
he probably would have recovered from the from the hit and run situation, but his body was so wrought by drugs and alcohol that he wasn't able to recover. And one of the things I talked about last week is that during this time of year when there's a lot of people celebrating, a lot of people getting together with family, but there's also a lot of despair, a lot of people who are alone, and 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 there's a lot of people in the rooms that are dedicated um, to addiction because this is a really – these are difficult, triggering times. And, and I've been kind of experimenting and thinking through – ways to kind of get into these subjects that don't just become like, you know, conversations that are all about that. Try to figure out things that are in the news that kind of allow me to talk about it a little bit. And we're not going to, you know, it's not going to be a bummer of a of a show. As a matter of fact, a little later in the program, I'm going to talk about a state that I discover that is funnier than New York. So that we'll do that probably at the bottom of the hour, close to the end of the show. But as I was thinking about Seth and thinking about the anniversary of his uh, – uh, what would have been his birthday, actually. It's not the anniversary of his passing. Um, I was was thinking about one of the subjects that comes up here kind of in passing uh, on, on uh, about um, fentanyl. And that brings us to our, our numbers of the week. Each week I try to do a few numbers that I take out of the news and try to contextualize them and bring them into the subject I'd like to talk about here on The Middle – and if you'd like to get in, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. So one number is 6,771. That was the number of overdose deaths in the United States 51 years ago when Richard Nixon declared the war on drugs. That's how far back it goes. Um, 51 years ago, Richard Nixon was the first president to say we have, we have to declare war on drugs. And the estimate for 2021 – was 107,622 overdose deaths in 2020. Now, I say the estimate, and I say 2021. This is going to surprise you. Do you know we don't keep track in real time, in a real surveillance kind of way, in the federal government, overdose deaths? Isn't that crazy? So the best they can do is that's the estimate for 2021. We don't know what it is for 2022, but we do know that it's on the rise. And now fentanyl is the leading cause of deaths for American 18 to 49. More deaths than gun violence, more deaths than suicide, more deaths than car accidents. And we talk about fentanyl a little, you know, in the news, you know, fentanyl is a synthetic opioid. It's 50 times more potent than heroin. It's very easier to make, it's e- very easy to make because plant-based Opiates need – like heroin need poppy. They need something to grow and to cultivate and then this is not. This is entirely synthetic, entirely just made with chemicals. Um, it's very cheap. During the worst of the opioid crisis – and remember, we had this big crackdown on the manufacturers of OxyContin and things like that. Um, and so the streets at the time were awash with kind of cheap versions of an oxycodone pill called a blue. You know, you told people to take on blues or it was also called an M30 because it was a 30 milligram oxycodone pill, kind of a cheap secondary market kind of one. It was like a – it was a – it was made by – essentially a, a, a generic version and it sold on the street for about $30. Today, fentanyl pills, which are the same color blue – and they're basically fake M30s. They sell for about $4, 4 to $5 right now. And to give you an idea how profitable they are for the people that make it, 2.2 um, pounds of fentanyl cost about $40,000 and can make 1 million pills. And fentanyl, as I mentioned, is 50 times more potent than heroin. And, you know, heroin kills people. Um I mean, there's some misconceptions about fentanyl, like, you know, it, 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 you, you can't get it by contact, by just touching it. It's not that bad, but still, if it's in the air, it's, it's, that's how potent it is. And the, mo- the market for these drugs has exploded because as people were getting more addicted to opiates in the last decade or so, there was this crackdown. So there was this huge demand. The, the, the kinds that were coming from the major pharmaceutical companies weren't making it onto the street. Plus, there was a big crackdown on these things. And the market exploded and more and more people had become addicted and more and more people were looking for uh, for drugs to buy. And this product, which was easy to make, cheap, came flooding into the market. And so in the last three years, drug overdose from fentanyl 
rose by about 94%. That became the new thing that flooded. About 200 Americans are dying every single day from fentanyl. Um, And so what we do here on talk radio is we like to blame. Like who do we blame? Who do we point at? Usually it's some political entity. And so I brought a list. I brought a list of who we should blame for this fentanyl crisis. And uh, I'm not going to focus a great deal today on what we should be doing at the other end of this. But let me, let's just say something that I think we can all agree upon, that you know, where, where there is a demand, people are going to try to fill it. But I do want to talk about the policy stuff that kind of led us to where, this, where we are today. Um, there's a list. Um, first of all, who's flooding our streets with the stuff? It's the Mexican drug cartels, the same ones that flooded them with crystal meth and with heroin. It's not China. Um, some of the ingredients for some of these things might be going to China, going to, to Mexico. But these Mexican drug labs have now converted to making these types of pills. They've converted somewhat away from crystal meth to do it for all the reasons that I've explained. Um, the, how it's getting here from Mexico is people driving cars and trucks. Simple as that. And the people that are getting arrested – are documented people. A lot of them Americans. It's pretty good business. They're mostly going into to California to start. Um, they're not the people that you see on TV lined up walking three countries away and standing in line to present themselves walking through rivers. I mean, you can imagine why when you're carrying a bunch of pills, you don't want to be do that. These They're largely coming in suitcases and engine blocks and into the door panels of things. They're very small. I mean, think about a 30 milligram pill. It's a very small pill. So we got to blame the Mexicans, the Mexican cartels, um, and we got to blame the people driving those cars and trucks. We've got to blame Obama. Uh, Obama removed the drug czar from the cabinet, so we didn't have an organized drug response. I mean, Obama was before fentanyl, but still. And then when Donald Trump came in, he put a 23-year-old campaign aide in charge and didn't even nominate a permanent head of the Office of Drug Interdiction Policy. And when he did, he appointed a congressman who, among other things, had introduced legislation to shield drug makers when they violated federal law. So he quickly had a dropout in scandal. We can blame Congress. Congress allocated $1.4 million to build a wall. And again, the pills don't come over a wall. In fact, some of the biggest tunnels that they found to carry these things into Arizona and California went under the wall. The biggest one was under the wall into uh, all the way into a warehouse in San San Diego. But Congress uh, also, remember the the shutdown of the government in 2018, they also allocated $564 million for scanning technology to help find drugs in cars at the border. And as I'll get to in a minute, that money has not been spent. We can blame Trump and Biden Because despite all the money and setting the goal of scanning, 72% of vehicles today under Biden, and it didn't get any better under Trump, we scan about 6% of all trucks and 1% of all cars. So we can blame Trump. We can blame Biden. We can blame, you know, blame whoever's on the job now. And we can blame all three of them as the DEA has lost about 1,300 staff or 700 agents In recent years today, there are 800 vacancies at the DEA because drug enforcement has not been much of a priority for any of the last three administrations. So that's some of where what we're not doing to stop it from from coming in. Um, Is it getting better? Is it getting better today? Like, has it gotten to be more of a focus today? Well, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. And again, the number is 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Some ways it is getting better. In some ways, it's most definitely not. Um, We finally have a Senate-confirmed head of the DEA. This is the first, believe it or not, the first since 2015. Up until now, there have been acting heads of the DEA, and so at least they have a boss. We have this one-bill-can-kill campaign that the Biden administration has started, and they've announced they're targeting the two biggest Mexican cartels and going after their financial networks. And since July, the 
border seizures of fentanyl have averaged about 2,200 pounds a month, which is more than we seized in all of 2018. But when we get back, I'm going to tell you the but. I'm going to tell you the ways that things have not gotten a lot better and things that we should be doing today. And the only ones to blame for things we're not doing today is this Congress, this president, this administration. But we're here on a still a fall day. Want to get you involved? 800-84-WABC. We'll see you on the other side. We're talking about fentanyl, the state of drugs. And a little later, we'll talk about the funniest state in the union. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Now that I've lost everything to you, you say you want to start something new. And it's breaking my heart, you're leaving. Maybe I'm grieving. But if you want to leave, take good care. Hope you have a lot of nice things to wear. And welcome back to the middle. That's Cat Stevens bringing us back in. Steven is the theme of our music today. And I sense I'm going to get in trouble since I think he changed his name to Yusef something. But Cat Stevens brings us back in. Um, So we're talking about fentanyl. We're talking about the plague of fentanyl. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Um, and I said there was some good news and there's some bad news about where things stand today. And look, I'm going to tell you, as someone who was in government for many years, that there is nothing this country can't do. There's no challenge that we can't rise to. There's nothing we don't have the resources to defeat. But we are often slow to kind of realize something is a real crisis and slow to react. And that is clearly the story of fentanyl. For example, in 2000. I want to say 2017, this has already started to emerge as a problem. But there was so much politics going on around China that it was downplayed in all of the official documents that the that when in, in 2018, when the DEA put out its its um, its annual report, they cut and pasted from the year before about you know, the drug challenges that are faced. And fentanyl has been a problem. So I said that since July, you know, to catching up since July, border seizures of fentanyl have averaged about 2,200 pounds a month, which is more than was seized in all of 2018. But the U.S. officials who brag about those statistics, if you read far down into the press release, they say they're getting about 5 to 10 percent of all of it. OK, so they, that 95 percent is still getting through. And also, if you look at some of the data, it could just be that they're catching more because the demand has also doubled. It just could be that all of those seizures, but they're better than nothing. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that the seizures have happened. And we have a, a drug czar, finally, again, his first medical doctor that's had the job. He says he's not upset that he's not in the cabinet. I don't happen to think that's a huge thing, but it does talk about the focus. And he estimates that one in 20 people who need help with their addiction on the demand side are able to get it, one in 20. And and then we get to the problem of the technology at the border. So there's been a lot of attention paid to immigration problems we have at the border. And there have been, you know, two problems have kind of been conflated into one. We do have this problem that a lot of people are coming from to our country, from other countries in South America, South America to escape poverty, to escape hyperinflation, to escape COVID, whatever it might be. They're crossing over into our country. They're standing in line. There's a big, a big line of them right now. They're standing in line. They're presenting themselves to border officers, and they're, they're asking for asylum. There are a lot of them coming in with children, et cetera. But the, 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 as I said earlier, the, the way this, these drugs are getting into our, into our um, country is coming from a different, in a different way. They're not obviously – they're not going to strap a bunch of drugs on someone who's coming across the river. That wouldn't make a lot of sense. So when they had the, the, the shutdown of the government in 2018, you remember this, the fight was over the wall. Donald Trump wanted to build a wall. By the way, I've told you before in the immigration show, I'm fine building the wall. I think it's a good idea, whatever it is. But there was this, the, the, the government finally reopened with this deal to build the wall, but also to try to do something about drugs by putting a lot of money into scanning technology. And so the scanning technology, what it does is basically, it's like a giant x-ray machine, basically. The car or the truck comes through, 
and then because drugs have a different density than an engine block or than a car seat, the, the, this X-ray machine is able to identify anomalies on the thing, send out a beep, and you can catch people. So four years after 500 – what is the number? I think it was like 514 – let me see if I have it. $514 million um, was allocated to get, to get these machines at the checkpoints on the Mexican border. Four years later, they now have two of them online. That's all. And the software that is supposed to work to spot these anomalies isn't working and hasn't come online yet. So what has to happen is a scan goes through and then like a radiologist, the Border Patrol officer has to stand there and kind of look at it to try to see if he can spot any drugs in the picture. It takes forever. It's inefficient. It's not really working. That's on the Biden administration. I mean, look, it took a long time to get here. It should have been in place much earlier, but now this is on the Biden administration. But perhaps the biggest piece of bad news about the state of play is the fact that this is still not a priority for either the Mexican government or the U.S. government. And why do I say that? It's because it's because immigration, immigration, immigration is all that the United States is asking for cooperation with Mexico on. And remember, well, you might not know this. We, the DEA, we arrested the former defense secretary of Mexico as part of a conspiracy that he was sharing information with the drug traffickers, getting rich doing it, and basically allowing this drug trade to continue in the United States. We arrested him. Bob Barr under Donald Trump dropped the charges. Why? Because we had too much other stuff we were trying to get the Mexicans to help with. Trump wanted to do the North American free trade thing, the NAFTA deal. He Remember this Remain in Mexico deal? Mexico said we're not going to do that deal if you arrest our, you know, these corrupt officials. And Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, the guy who's the president down there, has been very – who's basically said we won't have any U.S. – operations on our soil. And just remember what the Mexicans' imperatives are. The Mexicans just don't want their people getting killed. And so what do the drug traffickers do? The drug traffickers are saying, we're going to kill, we're going to do all this violence if you do anything to stop us from smuggling the drugs. On our side, we're just, we're concerned about our citizens dying from the drugs. We really aren't terribly interested, truth be told, about the violence on the streets of Mexico. So we have different imperatives. So we can never get much cooperation. And so today, if you were to put Joe Biden and his officials under hypnosis and say, truthfully, what's the most important priority with you? They would say dealing with the migrant crisis, not dealing with the fentanyl crisis. And that's, you know, that's the way it is. It's, it's, and that's the way it was under Donald Trump. I just said Bob Barr dropped the charges against the highest level Mexican official that, that – We've ever, you know, we had him dead to rights. We had these text messages going back and forth between him. There's a long story. I can't remember where I read. I think the New York Times a couple of months ago where they went through all the records of this because the Mexican government released all of the records. And so we were able to get it. We couldn't get it from our own DEA because the reporters couldn't get it. It's a long way of saying that these things are very, very complicated. And one of the things I try to stress on the middle is that very often the easy answer or the easy point, the person to blame um, is not always the right one. And in this case, there's a lot of blame to go around. And I said, I said before the break, I'm focusing just on the supply side. Why it's so difficult to get a handle on this supply. It's not impossible. We know how they're coming in. Look, it's going to be a cat and mouse game. It, you know, that's going to be the way it is when you have such a profitable business. You, but you've got to do both sides. You know, you've got to, you know, we're, we're seeing it today. And by the way, COVID made it a lot worse. I can, I can tell you that. Statistically, amount of overdose deaths spiked over COVID. We can all understand it maybe. You know, it was such as, you know, everyone was in lockdown. People's social networks were being frayed. There, a lot of people lost work. A lot of people, you know, lost their bearings. I can tell you from my experience dealing with my addiction and the, in the rooms that I go into of those programs, they exploded during COVID. Actually, they were originally they were on Zoom, and now they're obviously getting back to in person. So that's what we're talking about. So I welcome your welcome your calls. If you'd like, you know, if you you want me to give you the sources for some of these statistics, I will. Um, and I'll also uh, also would love to have 
have you participate. 800-848-9222. Christian is on, is on the calls. We're talking about the fentanyl crisis, who to blame, who maybe we shouldn't blame. And let's get to some of those calls now. First, let's go to Sal on Long Island. Hi, Sal. Welcome back. Anthony, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I remember uh, in one of those debates with uh, Joe Biden and Trump, when Joe Biden looked in the cameras and said, if I ever become president, I want people to search on a border. Now, we did not have this problem under four years of Donald Trump. Yes, you did. But we— Yes, you did, Sal. Same numbers? Yeah, well, not no. These are these are higher numbers than all but one year of, of Trump. Well, you had remember the caravan. Remember every day Donald Trump would say the caravans come in the caravan. These these emigres happen, but the drug problem, the drug, the fentanyl problem that we're talking about today, actually exploded un, under Trump. But I have made it clear that Obama has some responsibility, and Biden is responsible for where we we are are today. Um, next, go to Bob in Neptune. Hey, Bob. Hey, what's up, Carlos? I got something to say to you about fentanyl, man. You know, for all the years we've been on this earth, man, and in this country, you were told by your parents, don't do drugs. Now America's got an appetite. Listen, they're dropping these pills in kids' milk at school. Do you know this? And by the way, how did you get any redemption? Hey, hey, Bob, hey, Bob, hey, Bob, Bob, Bob. No one's dropping any pills in kids' milk at school. The, the, The crisis is big enough. And bad enough that we don't need to make up stories. Like we don't need to make up stories about it being in Halloween candy or whatnot. It is out there. Hundreds of people are dying every single day from it. We don't need to spread stories that are not true. The stuff that is true is bad enough. We don't need to exaggerate it. And by the way, the problem of addiction writ large, I mean, there's – I probably – if you – you know, within the sound of my voice, every, people listen. If they don't know – you know, someone in their family or someone at work or someone nearby who's been impacted by addiction. The problem is bad enough without us making stories about it being in kids' milk. We're going to be back on the other side. We've got a bunch of calls on the board. We're going to get to them as many as we can. Then at 3 o'clock, Curtis comes in for left versus right. And a little later in the program, I'm going to try to get to the funniest state in the union. Thanks for joining us here on The Middle. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. And welcome back to the middle. Little Stevie Van Zandt. Great song, I'm a Patriot. He was on this week with Sid on Sid and Friends in the Morning. That's available on a podcast. Great interview. Interesting guy, Little Stevie, best known perhaps for his membership in the E Street Band. Or is he now better known for The Sopranos? I mean, he's basically, uh, he's on The Sopranos, obviously, and had some great, great solo work as well. And we're talking about fentanyl, the, the dangers that it poses, and also the many ways that our government has not been doing a good enough job in dealing seriously with with drug addiction in general but also you know we you know when when you're you know they they say that the United States government is an insurance company with an army because a lot of what we fund is health insurance social security and the like and we've got a giant military and so doing things with enforcement is always easier than the other side of the formula which in this case is dealing with addiction and trying to reduce the demand but this episode, we're focusing on why the demand, why the the source, why the supply is where it is and how we're doing such a terrible job in dealing with this Mexican influx. And some of the reason is, I'm going to be very honest with you, some of the reason is that it's become very politicized. You know, it, it was politicized from the beginning that it was in the interest of the administration, the previous administration. They were in a battle with China, so to make it out, it's a Chinese problem. When it was clear, clearly a Mexican problem, their own their own agency was telling them that. Um, so 
there there are challenges, and we're trying to get to get to the bottom of it. Uh, let's go back to the back to the phones. Tim in Manhattan, go ahead, Tim. Hey, Mr. Weiner. Uh, thank you. Before I start, ask my question, I just want to say thanks for uh, your comment about how America can beat anything. We can come back from anything, and I think that's a that's a good sentiment to have. And maybe technology one day will be better, like you said. The scanning stuff isn't as great. But my question is, I know you were a congressman. There's a uh, an act called the uh, Halt Sentinel Act. Uh, I was wondering if you know anything about it or if it's a bad bill, and that's why it hasn't been signed into law, or, or what's going on? No, the, the, the Halt Fentanyl Act, as I understand it, it just it recategorizes fentanyl as a Schedule I drug. You know, frankly, it doesn't have a scheduling. It's I, I don't believe it's scheduled as anything yet. And by making it Schedule One, it's just – puts controls on who can do research on it and how it can be moved and the requirements for inspections and things like that. The The problem is none of the, the things that come in illegally, fentanyl that comes in illegally is not um, – isn't going through any kind of regulatory process obviously. And so the, the it might be a good bill. I have to look into it a little bit more. But it doesn't seem to do all that much – to 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 interdict it at the border where much of this stuff is coming from. It's not that none of this is produced domestically. It's just this has been something that the the Mexican cartels have gone into um, with with full force. Next up is uh, Ted in Norwood. Go ahead, Ted. Yeah, couple of things uh, you said that uh, I disagree with you. Okay, one is you're referring to the border as entirely the river, the Rio Grande. Okay, that's only about one third of the land area. Okay, now I got relatives that live in eastern Arizona, about 30 miles north of the Nogales uh, Border Patrol Station, where there's a major crossing point. Okay, during the Trump years, when he the way he had that border under control, the drug trafficking in eastern Arizona was silent. Okay, now what the cartels do that your party has thrown a lifeline to is they flood the eastern end of Arizona with human trafficking over the border, and then they bring the drugs in. I'm I'm sorry, they flood the western side of Arizona with human trafficking, and then they bring the drugs in on the eastern side of Arizona. And since your guy has been in office, it's been a flood of fentanyl through eastern Arizona. Yeah, it, 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 everything is right about that except none of it. These are coming through trucks mostly coming into the San Diego area, and they're coming through the same checkpoints that have always existed. Joe Biden didn't create new truck crossings or new car crossings. They're not coming in with backpacks, Ted. These are sophisticated organizations that are driving in by cars and trucks. We don't have to guess on how it's coming in because so many are being caught. Now, a relatively small percentage of them, they're not coming in with backpacks. What kind of business do you think this is? This is a multi-billion dollar business. They don't need to go with backpacks. They don't, they're not bringing it in 50 at a time or 100 at a time. They're bringing it in in trucks and cars. You know how we know that? Because they're getting stopped in trucks and cars. We know how they're getting in. How would you bring it in if you were running a multi-billion dollar pill organization? I'd get a U.S. citizen to drive a car. You know what percentage of cars are getting stopped and scanned? One. One percent. Do you know what it was under Trump? One. One percent. I mean, we got these scanners now that are up. And part of my beef is that the, these, these scanners were funded in 2018. Now, the way that these things, the, the idea of, of, of emigres coming in and flooding over the border, et cetera, how that does, is, is it definitely – you do have to start making some choices about what your focus is. And the focus has just not been on fentanyl. It just hasn't been. I mean, look, I know – blame Biden, blame Trump. I know this is – both of them haven't done this right because both of them have been consumed – with this idea of getting Mexican cooperation on other things. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I know there's such a desire to say, all right, that guy, I don't like Biden, therefore he's the bad guy in this. All right, I admit that I think our entire federal government has failed us here going back three administrations. 
but it is not because there's some new truck checkpoint or some guy is carrying this over with a backpack. These are billion-dollar organizations at this point, and they don't need it. They don't, they don't need a, a mule, a guy walking over who's going to get caught. That's, think about it. If, I, you know, if, if just anybody gets in there, you know, in their Ford Explorer and puts these pills in the, panel of, in the panels of their truck, you know, thousands of pills in the panels of their truck, the chances of them getting stopped are very small. If they get stopped, the cartels don't care that much. They know they know the technology. They can read these newspaper articles and these these um, government reports as well as I can. They know the chances of them going to one of these scanners that is going to actually catch them is pretty slim right now. They don't mind it. It's a sunk cost. It's a sunk cost. And it's not because Donald Trump is, is, is a lousy president or Joe Biden was a lousy president. It's because we have just as a country not really brought the the bat this treated this that seriously. And maybe we're starting to. I certainly hope we are. Um, let's go to Stephen Fairlong. Go ahead, Steve. Okay, let me get off uh, my uh, speakerphone. Hello, how are you? I'm well, Steve. How are you? Good, 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 good. I'm very interested today because in the last decade, I think I have eight acquaintances or friends who've lost children. Some of those children have been in their 30s. Some of the people who were on the wagon for many years and then fell off and went back to heroin and got a surprise, the last surprise of their life. But I'm going to talk about two things. Number one is back in the early 90s, I worked in property management in southern Washington Heights, a neighborhood close to my heart. I've spent most of my life and most of my career up there. And I had a sergeant, a sector sergeant on 159th Street in Amsterdam. And we had a lot of cocaine at the time. It was a crack and it was also powder. And we had a lot of kids from Jersey coming in and Giuliani was confiscating their cars. And that was a lot of fun to watch. But the sergeant, you know, he's standing there, a very cynical guy, 20-something years in the police department. And he said to me something I've never forgotten. Actually, he said two things. <laughs> One was, if we really had a war on drugs, look at those lampposts. There should be a dealer hanging from each one because they're peddling death, which I thought, you know, is all things being equal. These days, I'm, I'm really serious that maybe he was right about that. The second thing was he had this attitude. You had all the dealers back then going around in their Hummers with their bling hanging off them, and he said, boy, that's a mistake. These guys should be chained to one of those old wheeled garbage cans. They should be wearing a striped suit, and the kids will not look up to them. They should be cleaning dog dew up off the streets. And I thought that was another interesting point. Now we go forward. I have a friend who's a colonel in the Texas State Guard. He's a retired Army guy, 30 years regular Army. And uh, he lets me know almost monthly what the Texas State Guard finds. And unfortunately, you mentioned it before, um, this is a very, these drugs are very small. Fentanyl is tiny, I mean, compared to even heroin. And the pure form can be imported very easily. And, yes, there are people who are bringing it in in backpacks. He's found them. They're also bringing it in in drones because these nice new drones that they have will hold quite a bit. And he's been seeing that a lot. And the other thing that surprises him, not maybe so much, but he's seeing a lot of heavy weapons that have been coming across the border and also been smuggled in. We catch maybe one-fifth of people who try to cross the border. Some of them turn themselves in. But there's about a good 20 percent of the, what do they call it, the getaways, the gotaways. And these people are carrying drugs because, you know, if you're, if you're going to have a drug war against the United States, which in effect is what we've got going on. You're going to try every means you possibly can to get I, I, this stuff. In. Yeah, I think that's right, Stephen. And, and I and I appreciate your your giving us some, a lot of food for thought there. And 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 I think that your opening comment about how many people that are in your orbit that, that have been lost. It, I, perhaps I got over my skis a little bit. And, and thank you, Steve, for calling. I'm not saying that under no circumstance is there ever anyone. That comes in by the waterways, comes in you know, via drone, comes in even walking with a backpack. Uh, you're, you're, I mean, I, I think Steve makes a good point that I myself did what I often criticize other people for doing, overgeneralizing. I'm saying that as a function of the – if you were to take your resources and try to target where these things were coming and how they were coming, you would say they were coming in my cars and trucks because that's where they've been found up to now. Um, but it is it – is, 
uh, it is a truism that we're not catching every single person that comes across. I want to make it very clear, though, that, you know, we've seen a lot of images the last couple of days about people at, you know, at the border. And they're in a long line. Well, they're not standing there in a line for any other reason except to present themselves to the authorities. Because, as I've said on this program before, that's how they begin the process of asking for asylum in our country. They are coming from Nicaragua, different places, mostly Nicaragua for a while. And they are appearing on this at this to to get the paperwork to begin the process to request asylum. They are not coming here to violate our laws. They're coming here to comply with our laws. That's why they're standing where they are. Now, there's a lot of them and it's a giant problem and it's a big problem for the Biden administration. It's gotten a lot worse for a bunch of reasons. But they are not people who are presenting themselves for the purpose of of showing up to show the border officers that they have drugs in their bags. That's just not not the way that um, that it's going. So let's take one more quick call, then we, we have to take a, great, uh, a break. Let's go to James in Brooklyn. Go ahead, James. Are you with us, James? All right, well, we lost James, so let's have Anthony in Queens. Go ahead, Anthony. Hi, Anthony. I'm glad you're back. I'm wishing you well. I Thank do you. disagree with a lot of things, but I do wish you well. I appreciate first. it. Thank you, sir. Okay, it's okay. Now, they got to stop buying votes. The progressives, Biden... Everything they spend, inflated everything. They're buying votes on the border. They want amnesty to get votes. They were going to do the student loan to get votes. All this money is to get votes filled with pork, and they're forgetting about what's going on. Progressive ideas with drugs. That's why we got the no bail. That's why marijuana is legal. It's infecting the whole United States. What we need to do is get so strict with fentanyl, that it's going to go back to the old, which we can't, but the progressive mind is right there, and they need to stop spending these trillions all based on buying votes. That's right. my humble well, opinion. Well, I hear you, Anthony. I hear you, and I, and I appreciate the kindness. You know, look, yes, in a way, that's what politics is, right? Doing things that politicians do things that they think are popular, that will get them votes. That's the way democracy is supposed to work. I don't know how much progressives are buying votes. We just passed the biggest defense bill in our nation's history by far. I think it's like 20 percent more than even Joe Biden requested. So I don't know how great a job progressives are doing in terms of buying votes. Um, but I can but but to do a whole list of policies that you may disagree with and say it's to buy votes. Yeah. Republicans pass bills that they think are going to be they're going to be have control the the House of Representatives. They're going to pass a whole bunch of bills that they think are popular. That's the way it kind of works. And as far as how, whether it gets votes or not. Then we have elections to find out what they did was popular or not. And we just found out that a lot of what the Senate candidates on one side were advocating for were not popular and other guys were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, buying votes is a kind of a pernicious way to put it. But I think that that's something that that politics says. Uh, We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we'll have more of your calls, 800-848-WABC. And I'm going to lighten up a little bit by telling you some research that I found on what is the funniest state in the union. And then at 3 o'clock, Curtis Sliwa comes in for left versus right. Finding new ways to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. And welcome back to the middle. Artist named Stephen are our music choices. We had Cat Stevens, Yusef Salam, Little Stephen, and the Disciple. I think his band called the Disciples of Soul, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken. And now Stephen Stills. Stevens. So we're talking about fentanyl. Let's do a couple more calls. If we have uh, time uh, next, we've got uh, Mike in Queens. Mike, thank you so much for holding on. Yes. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, it would be just simple if, if we just uh, 
close the borders and and and, and not let this uh, uh, people into the country, or, or or is my statement a little too simple? Uh, no, I mean it's we we can't. Well, we have to change a whole bunch of laws. I appreciate it, Mike. We have to change a whole bunch of laws. We're just going to close the borders. People are allowed to emigrate here. Statue of Liberty and everything is dictated to that. We came here that way. So you can it, – it, closing the border is not a thing. It's a 2,000-mile piece of land. It's, it's, not, it's not easy to just close it like a door. And we have so many people who are allowed to come and go legally, like United States citizens can come and go legally. And so one thing we have to check to make sure they're not United States citizens. These things are complicated. They are not – I mean immigration – I think there are ways, and you can go back and listen to previous episodes. There are plenty of common sense things that we can mostly agree upon if we were willing to to take a little step away from the far left and the far right. So um, this has been a heavy conversation. It started out about a conversation about my, my brother Seth. He is in my prayers. And to anyone out there within the sound of my voice who wants to continue the conversation offline, wienerwabc at gmail.com. If you're struggling, if anyone in your family is in need of help, um, feel free to reach out to me. And I'll do anything I can. It's one of the ways that um, hopefully I can be of service as someone who struggled myself. So um, I'm looking through uh, the newspapers, trying to figure out some stuff to talk about today. And you know there is no more of a of a fan of my home city and my home state than I. I don't think I can ever live anywhere else. And one of the things I love about New York is we have a great sense of humor about ourselves. We get a great sense of humor about our city. But I found that Ohio – has us beat because Ohio recently purchased a bunch of new snow plows and they name them in Ohio. We, I don't think we name our snow plows. And so I know you're wondering, well, what did they name their snow plows? What could possibly impel you to raise this subject down the middle? I don't know how this fits into the theme of the show, but I had to, this is what I, mean, I got a microphone. I can talk. Um, by the way, I might be filling in a little bit this week while other people are on vacation, so keep keep posted. I, you know, hopefully I'll be able to to see you a little. I'll definitely be here next Saturday. Um, so here are the in no particular order. Here are some of the names of the snowplows that the state of Ohio just bought in honor of the people in Buffalo who are trying to figure out how to get to their football game tonight. By the way, how do you feel the Miami Dolphins? I got I got a uh, yeah, uh, the Miami Dolphins playing in Buffalo under three feet of snow. All right. The Big Laplowski, not bad. That's a good one. The Blizzard of Oz, that's pretty good. How about this one? Ohio Thaw Enforcement, that's not bad. This one I like, even though I, I have a feeling Christian won't understand this one. Control, Salt, Delete, that's pretty clever, right? Um, this is a good one. Cleopatra, Cleopatra. But this is my, but my favorite... Name of a new Ohio snowplow, and the one that made me think that, man, we got to get in on this game because we'll, we'll do it well. Plow Chicka Plow Wow is <laughs> the name of one. You know, Jordan, when Jordan wants to cut me down, he said, he just doesn't say much. He says, he'll either say boomer under his breath, or he'll say, they call that dad humor when I tell him a joke. And like, I'm like, Jordan, it literally is dad humor. I am your dad. I'm telling you a joke. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. It's kind of the same way I have this conversation with Kitty sometime, my friend Kitty, where she said, oh, you're mansplaining. I said, I'm just a man explaining something. I don't know why that's – we're really getting off on a tangent here at the end of the show. Um, so we're talking about fentanyl. All right, let's do a couple more quick calls. Uh, people have been waiting, and I apologize for that. Uh, Patrick in Illinois. Go ahead, Patrick. Sorry to keep you waiting. Good afternoon, Mr. Weiner. Um, Patrick, I, I, Patrick, I did, 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 did – I appreciate it. Do they name their snowplows in Illinois? Do you know? I don't pay that close of attention <laughs> to the Ohio DOT, sir. I apologize. Go ahead, Patrick. That's okay. And, you know, I'm happy Mr. Katsimatidis, you know, gave you the opportunity to have a platform such as you have. And I got to admit, I never agree with you, sir. And that's okay. I mean, we can all have different opinions. But, you know, you are one smooth talker. And much like the serpent in the Garden of Eden, you are, what do you call it, ingenuous. Oh, wait a minute. You're, you're on the serpent in the Garden. That's going a bit far, isn't it, Patrick? I thought you and I were on the way to being friends. No, sir. Well, no, I still, I, I respect you, sir, without a doubt. But you are so, I never agree with you. 
And I, I believe you are the, one of the finer Democrat operatives they ever came up with. I, well, Patrick, I appreciate that. And, I, and, I, and I'm glad that you're calling from Illinois, and I'm glad that you're a regular caller. One of the things that I have to get to the bottom of, and I'm sure I do it here, but I don't do it as much as others, is this they. So Patrick said I'm one of the something, I don't know what adjective he used, Democratic operatives that they came up with. What do you mean they? Who, is, who do you think came up with me? Morton Fran Wiener came up with me, whatever that means. But look, I appreciate what Patrick was saying, though, all kidding aside, I think is a good note to end on here on The Middle, is that um, A, John Katsimatidis and Margot, they gave me this opportunity. And it wasn't – it was because not in spite of the fact that I would disagree with the conventional wisdom sometime. It's because of it. That's what makes our conversations productive. That's what makes them go round. That's what makes them hopefully interesting. Um, and I also agree with the – I don't know if I'm a serpent, but the idea that every once in a while we get shaken from hearing the same thing in the same tone with the same – talking points that every once in a while someone this is why I like listening I I am a, a listener to our station here I listen to the other hosts they're all, they're great in their own way I disagree with them a lot of the time it frequently the shows that I decide to do on Saturday are a reflection of something I heard them say and led me this fentanyl conversation today was almost entirely because I became curious about things that were being said about fentanyl on the air, and I went and looked it up, and 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 that this is how this conversation. That's what good conversation is, and as I have said repeatedly, the ethos of the middle is the idea that we don't need to check our political affiliations at the door. We don't need to check our ideology at the door. We can bring those with us. They can inform the way we have a conversation. We can do it respectfully. We can do it with grace. We can do it with respect. And in my case, doing it with enormous amount of gratitude. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful to have you along. And I'll be here next Saturday. And between now and then, I wish you nothing but good tidings of the season and uh, serenity for all that you encounter. Coming up soon, left versus right with Curtis Lewa. Finding new ways to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.